0: podcast. The night Story Podcast, and this is Kettle Whistle Radio. They play music almost as good as my music box. It's also fairly dark in here. You're not afraid of the dark, but you should be.
1: You want to see something really scary? You bet. Music, horror, horror. art, politics. And- Welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio for real on Society 13 Networks.
2: It's a good thing. All right, I'm going to start things up. Welcome. Welcome to a special edition of Kettle Whistle Radio. I'm here with Ms. D, and we have somebody with us. Um, actually, well, we've been idolizing for a long time. Am I correct? <laughs> Come on. Speak up. Yes, she's yes being, we have. She's being shy. I'm being shy, um, Sorry. Leslie Rankin from, well, she is Ruby as far as I'm concerned, uh, all the way across the seas in, in Scotland. How are you today?
3: I'm doing fine, thank you very much. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sitting here with a nice glass of wine in front of the fire.
2: Excellent. Well, well Scottish cheers.
3: Scottish <laughs> summer time, you know. You know
2: what, cheers all around. We're having glass for you right now, too. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Now, 20 years of Saltpeter. Yeah, I know. Doesn't feel like it.
3: I know, it, it feels more like 20 weeks,
2: really.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like, what the have I been doing for 20 years? <laughs> well,
2: I'll tell you, we, we've we been wondering, but we also, you know, I, I was able to find a few things, of course, because I we've been, I mean, Saul Peter's one of those albums, every time I listen to it, I have a new favorite, so I never, ever got tired of it. Doesn't mean I don't want more. Uh, luckily, Silverfish 2007 came out, which I adore. The, we have the EP. Now, you started with that in 1988, correct?
3: With Silverfish,
2: yeah. So you are punk rock in the beginning.
3: yeah. Kinda, kinda noisy, kind of yeah, that kind
2: of thing. Now, with Ruby, uh, you survived the demise of grunge, the destruction of punk, renaissance of metal, and the horrendous transition of now the homemade pop music. Where do you place yourself in all this? You're still an original.
3: <laughs> um, that's uh, that's been my eternal problem is that I've never fitted into. Any category comfortably, which is a good thing. I like that kind of thing. Yes. But, um, uh, labels and press people, and you know the the business side of people have have always had a problem. Like, what what do we do with her? Who do we try and sell her to? You know, mm. but that makes the so most it,
4: interesting music sometimes.
3: Aye, well, I think the good thing about the whole kind of homemade thing and. Um, People are a bit a lot more open-minded now. I think musically, and they a lot. They have much more diverse tastes. Yes. You know, like like twenty years ago, thirty years ago, when I was young, that you you had metalheads and then you had punk rockers, and never the two would meet. You know.
4: Correct. True. true.
3: So, uh, but now everybody has a wee snippet of every type of music in their in their m- music collection.
2: Mm-hmm. It you happened. Know, so, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: So I think it's quite for us who are a bit more eclectic. It's it's a lot better now than it used to be. I in agree.
2: A lot of ways. In New York City, like in the late '80s, punk and metal kids were like hanging out a little bit, and you had thrash metal that kind of combined the two together. I got to see the Ramones actually, and then you had metalheads at that show, and that was the beginning of it. Now, speaking of which, um, Miss D did a little research, and I don't know how we missed yeah, it, we, we <laughs> missed you on the first was it the first Lollapalooza tour you were on that.
3: Um, it wasn't the second ninety three. It was like the second one, I think. It was nineteen ninety six. Oh,
2: so okay. It, it may have been like the third, of course, actually. Okay, well, uh, that, that's just the Lollapalooza tour. I mean, think about Perry Farrell, Jane's Addiction. That's the whole reason why we actually do this show, and um uh, kettle whistle radio, hence. Um, but that guy and Lollapalooza was all about finding eclectic and weird taste and blending things and characters and, mm. and audiences. Did you enjoy mm. that experience?
3: It was brilliant. It was in a lot of ways. It was just really great. Waking up in a field in the bacon sun with um, only a <laughs> portaloo for like six weeks was that was a bit difficult. The kind of living conditions yeah. type of it. But having so many different acts all on the same in the same place at the same time, different varieties of people, and you know we had we had a really great time.
2: Did you get to meet Perry? Nah. Ah we, well, one He's of us One of did. my personal
4: idols. Yeah, he did a little <laughs>
2: private concert for Miss D here. Uh, they did, they played four songs backstage and, uh, mm-hmm. just good stuff, just really good All stuff. Right. But Contastic. yeah.
4: It was a contest. <laughs> she won a contest. It was a contest. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: Alright, so, I mean, that's our dog barking in the background. We just knew she was going to do this today. That's the only way it works around here. But, um so you were in Berlin recently touring. Yes.
3: No, I wasn't too well I suppose I, in January oh. I, I did a show for um the guy who makes most of my videos, Seven Knowles, he put on a whole kind of audio visual show and we were headlining and he, he did a video to each song that we were that everybody was playing. Oh cool. So he did he did just like about forty videos for this this, this night and it was a brilliant night.
2: That sounds and, awesome. Yeah,
3: and it, it, it felt like the first real gig that we've done, the first, you know, cause it's, uh, it's been so long since I toured properly mm-hmm. and we'd only done about two or three shows before then and it, it felt like I was, you know, I hadn't done a, a, a live show for like 13 years. Right. And, and I, I felt like I was just kind of finding my feet and then the Berlin show, um, it really felt like now I know what I'm doing.
2: Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. I don't think you ever didn't know what you were doing, but it's good to hear that you got that back. That's Spark again, right?
3: Yeah, I totally, I totally knew what I, like, it's like I slipped in an old comfortable pair of shoes and I could <laughs> Walk you, around in them quite happily. Kind you, could, of thing, you know? But the last time I was in Berlin was just just for for hanging out, and it was my birthday, and um, I went clubbing and stuff, and and had a really great time. I love Berlin.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. I only hear good things about it. Now, you yeah. know, in the states here, we did we missed some of your work along the way. Now, I, I love Silverfish 2007, but I still always harken back to you know uh, Ruby. That's I just listen to Saul Peter all the time. There was a remix album available on iTunes, but I was I was disappointed to find that there wasn't. You have something new out, correct?
3: Yes, I put out an album last year um, Mm -hmm. Called Waiting for Light And I just put it out myself and, and um, uh, I mean, if you want to know, see Eclectic, have a look at that, because it, it bounces off of every wall, every musical genre you can find, You. Know? I can't apart wait. Of, apart from reggae. I don't do reggae.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. In this house, I mean, if it happens, it happens. It makes other people happy. That's fine. It's not our... our, our We don't dig it that much. Yes. I, I mean, you know what? Live, it makes people happy, all right? If it gets a crowd happy, that's fine, but it's just yeah. not our thing. We're, we're metalheads by nature, and then we just kind of branched off into so many other things. But um now, you opened up... For garbage and no doubt in the late nineties, correct? Yes. What was that like? Did you meet Shirley?
3: Yeah, I hung out with her. Well, it was really we were playing playing the same um, festival circuit. Oh, really, okay. we weren't um, touring with them or anything. We were just um, playing all, playing all the same festivals.
2: Okay. So
3: um, I got to hang out with her quite a. Quite a bit, and uh, we'll have a few mutual friends and stuff like
2: that. So. I didn't ask you about Gwen, because we have an overabundance of Gwen well, here. Oh,
3: no, we didn't play with, no doubt, I don't no. think. You okay, could.
2: there was a little blurb. I wasn't sure either. There was a little blurb yeah. I saw about that. but So it was just just garbage then. Yeah. Okay. Like well, Shirley's one of our I goddesses suppose, here. I
3: suppose, uh, probably, no doubt, we're playing all the same kind of festivals as well. And you just get, it's like you're, you're on this train and you're all going around the same places. Correct. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Right. I was a, a big fan of the uh letter that uh, Shirley Manson wrote to Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to see uh, that? No, I haven't seen it. What is it?
2: Oh, boy.
0: Um,
4: Tell he he had, basically, yeah, he had, um, I guess every award show we have, he kind of jumps on stage and says, Beyonce should have gotten that award, and he did it to Beck, uh, and yeah. Beck is kind of a, you know, a quiet Come, kind yeah. of guy, like, wow, you're going <laughs> to do that to him, and she basically, you'll have to look it up.
3: He, she she he,
2: destroyed ugh. him, literally. Oh,
3: Fantastic. just destroyed <laughs> him verbally. <laughs> She can... I know. I did hear about that. I heard about what I mean. I never watched award shows or anything, but I heard about that. You know, and the thing that struck me is Beyoncé. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's a fantastic showwoman and stuff, but. You know, how many of our own songs does she write? How much of our own production does she do? And and everything else. Whereas Beck does everything. Yes. And he's he's just a fucking genius, right? Right.
4: And and who is someone to say someone doesn't deserve an award? Right, I know. You know, like he's, you know, he's the popular (laughs) vote. He's, you know, people that really are into music. No, no.
2: Yeah. You you brought up Beck and being a one-man show. That's the way I kind of looked at you. Um... I, I, you may or may not like this, but I always compared Salt Peter as the female pretty hate machine, a masterpiece. But yeah, but I, a lot of his stuff he did on a computer. It sounds like you use a lot of live instruments.
3: Um. Yes and no. No, well, no. no, no, not now. Anyway, when it was Salt Peter. Yes, we did a bit to, to a certain extent, but it was recorded all all digitally, all in the computer. Which at that time, no was doing. I don't think there was a few people doing it, but yet most people still use tape machines. But we never mm-hmm. used. I haven't used a tape machine since
2: 1992
3: or something. Okay. And um, I loved recording digitally. So I, and I still, I still do. And I think it's. I mean, and on the new album. My my brother is a bass player, and he's a jazz bass player. You know, and apart from playing, he plays in Pill as well. Really. Yeah, but he, and he, he worked on this album with me, Waiting for Light with me, and, and I wanted him to use, um stand-up bass, because he's got a beautiful original stand-up bass, and it's, it has that beautiful earthy, woody mm-hmm. taste to it, and teeth, and, you know, as and he was saying, nah, I'll, I'd, I'd rather use a plug-in. Mm-hmm. Because the plugin actually sounds better.
2: Absolutely. When it's
3: recorded the plugin actually sounds more woody and more earthy, and it has all the kind of inflections and the the, the scraping of strings and tapping of wood that you would get from playing a live stand up bass, but it just records better.
2: Yeah, and the baby. I was e- quite
3: surprised, and, and and I think if there is any snobbery um, still towards. Uh, plugins or electronic instruments versus live instruments—it um, needs to just go away because <laughs> you know it. It does. It's it's all sound and it's all just as valid. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it electronically generated sound, synthetically generated sound is just, just as valid as, 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 you know, the old fashioned stuff.
2: Yeah, from like Primus to Morphine. You, you ever listen to Morphine back in the day? Uh, um, yeah. stand yeah. up bass. Oh wow, the dog yeah. just barked right in our microphone. <laughs> but yeah, Morphine was an incredible act. Uh, stand up bass. And I love Primus yeah. too. He plucks away. and it, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. the instrument bleeds, you know, it's just, you hear it, it's so much more powerful. Mm. And that leads me to my next question. Um, when you play live gigs, like how many musicians do you bring with you?
3: Um, well, just now I'm reworking the set so that it's only me because I've been doing this totally DIY since I started doing it again. Mm-hmm. And the last few gigs have been myself and my brother, and we have some stuff on um, uh, back and track and on, on laptop, and and then there's a, an array of gadgets and loops and loopers and um, and bass and guitar mm. and stuff.
2: Well, financially, that just works out, you know? Yeah, I, I, totally. Absolutely. Are, are you, are you, go ahead, I'm sorry.
3: But I, I mean, I love working with wee quirky gadgets, you mm-hmm. know, and I use my phone and I'm a, and Seven, the guy in Berlin who makes me, makes my videos, he just, he commissioned this girl to make me this little tiny little synthesizer in a box, in a wee, little metal box for my birthday. So I'm going, I've to have to work that in.
2: That's so cool. <laughs> I just um, like, want are you behind all the writing and the arrangement? Is that all you? Yeah. Okay, so now i now I gotta ask you, Salt Peter, do you look at that as an angry album? Um to
3: a certain extent, yeah, I think I. I mean at that time I was an angry young woman. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was living in the city and getting loads of shit all the time from people So, and people in my face all the time. And I'm quite a kind of feisty type. So there was all of that was just getting channeled into my music all the time.
2: Oh, yeah. You Um, get that um, message across. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could feel it. But you see, now I'm a writer. And when, when you can get you get a feeling from a song. It speaks for itself in just sometimes tone. Not just, you don't have to read along with the lyrics. You have a tone, and I know mm-hmm. the theme you're going for almost in each song. I'm probably wrong in a lot of cases. But then, then you have a song like Bud, okay, and that's a bit of your jazz uh, sound prevalent there that comes along yeah. later. Was that, is that your brother's influence, or?
3: Uh, no, I think I mean I've always loved that kind of stuff. I, when I was a kid, I loved Ella Fitzgerald. You know, I went up through a whole Ella Fitzgerald phase, and I w- used to sing all of her songs and that kind of stuff. So, that, there's part of me that 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 kind of music is in my heart all the time. So,
2: very cool. Um, I have two favorites. I, I, you know what? I have a new favorite. Like I said, every day, but swallow is a favorite, as is uh, Saltwater Fish. Um, what was going on in your life at that time when you're writing a song like Saltwater Fish?
3: I think. <coughs> The, the same themes run through a lot of the songs. I was, I'm just, I've always been really shit at relationships with blokes. So there was always, you know, so, and, and general, um, you know, harassment of everyday life. I, think I was, I was, I had been living in London up until then and it was, London at that time was a place that everybody was just in your face all the time. Hmm. And 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 quite nasty, and you know, will rip you off as soon as look at you, and you know that kind of thing. So there's all these kind of themes just running through that all the time. But um, I think mostly that was about an inability to to do the steady relationship. Thing and I've since learned in the past twenty years that that's just part of me and it's um, I'm now kind of at peace with it. Okay. I was born to be single, <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually quite nice. Hey,
2: if you're happy, who, who's because who's yeah, to say? Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break here, and I, you know, I do want to play Tiny Meat only because that's the one, the first one that broke here in the states. So mm. um I'm going to play that right now, and we'll get back with uh, Leslie Rankin of Ruby. And uh, thank you for uh, thanks for listening, first of all, and thanks for waiting around and listening to a great tune. are back, folks. That was Tiny Meat, one of the first, actually, fantastically shot video. Remember, Miss D, we saw that back in the mid-90s Yes. on MTV yes. when they used to be good. And probably one of the last cool videos when ever they play, made.
4: When they played videos. They played
2: videos. <laughs> and we saw Miss Leslie there. Um, And who shot that video? And did they also do the paraffin video? Uh,
3: no, they didn't. Um, it was Ben Unwin who shot the Tiny Meat video, and it was... Doug Aitken, who shot the paraffin video, and he now does lots of kind of real big kind of art shows and stuff. And and Ben is, Ben's brilliant. Ben also did the hoops video, which was shot in New Orleans over three days where we were, we were drunk most of the time, I think. (laughs) And and, and, uh, his videos are brilliant. I love Ben and we're, we're going to try and work together again at some point. I'm glad you
2: brought up uh hoops. I, I adore that song. Um it, it it's what's lacking in music right now and it's as simple as a rhythm of beat and badass lyrics and you don't get that combination anymore.
4: Don't
3: yeah.
2: No, we don't.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we really seem to have to really dig for music here. Yeah. yeah we um did. you really well, have to dig because it's um, what's what's out there is what's out there, and that's it. That's
2: you, you it. You have to dig. Nobody's getting signed.
3: Yeah, yeah, I know, and it is pretty difficult to find music. You really got to go by word of mouth. I mean, there's loads of really great stuff out there, though. Yes. I do think. I think it's the age of age of the individual. A lot of stuff is getting is getting very very. Um, Individual, I don't know how how else to describe it. I know what you mean.
2: Independent, indie, just like a. Uh
3: And and very creative. People are getting very creative because they don't. They don't
2: have to
3: um, justify the money that's been put into them by a major label. They're just doing it on their own, so they can do whatever, whatever the fuck they want.
2: Yeah, it's back in the garage, which I, we do yeah. like, and that's why we—that's why we do this podcast. Actually, that yeah. and indie horror movies, we love all the independent work out there. Occasionally, we'll get a mainstream thing, but um, indie writers, indie, yeah. yeah. Now, speaking yeah. Of, now, you worked with—I um, I, at least, yeah—I believe I have one of your albums. Um, you worked with Pigface, didn't you? Work yes. on one album, or more than one.
3: Can't remember. I think it was. I think I just did a couple of songs, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did I a couple think it songs. On two. I think I'm sure it was on two different albums. Can I? It? it was one on Fook.
2: Yes. A couple
3: on Fook, and then did I do? I can't remember. I it have was a it. Long time ago.
2: Yeah, I have the actual CD, and I saw your name on it. I was just like, no way! And I went to my local record store, a friend of mine who adores you also. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, Leslie did sing on on that Pick Face album. I, was like, I thought I heard <laughs> her, and I saw her name.
3: Yes, and I just uh, and that was when Chris Connolly was in Pick Face as well, and I've just done a track for Chris Connolly's new album, which I believe is out like next week.
2: Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, oh, wow. I got I I bought the Cocksure uh, album that he put out, yeah. uh, the EP yeah. I should say. So you're on his next album. Yes. Oh, that's badass. Okay. I did, cool. did
3: a little duet, and I'm hoping we're going to do another one for my next album, which
2: I'm. Were you a, Were you a fan of uh, Revolting Cox?
3: Yeah, absolutely love them. Me too. And ministry. Oh. I never saw ministry live, I don't think. Them. Oh, hard to... But you know me. what?
2: Because the, t- the period that you were out there, ministry was kind of deflated a little bit. I'm reading his book right yeah. now, which is amazing. Yeah. Al Jor- But they came back with a vengeance in the 2000s. I've seen them mm. twice.
4: Yeah, we saw... Did we see them once or twice Twice. Together? Twice. Okay.
2: Amazing.
4: Yeah. It, it, it is just... It's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's like, wow, you're just being assaulted exactly. by the sound.
2: Wall of sound. It's
4: amazing. amazing.
3: I played with Revco a few times. Oh, and wow. And Silverfish played with Red, Revco. That's where we first met them. That's how, I suppose, we got in, in touch with, with with Pigface, really.
2: Wow. No, that's amazing. I, so, I didn't realize that. So, What was that like? Did you just hang out with a couple of them? Was it just a studio take? Or, did, like, how did
3: for, that... What, uh, recording with Pigface? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I well uh, initially I just ended up going down to the studio when they were recording in London, and me and Mary Baker ended up going into a booth and and knocking out the that the song that became hips tits lips power on their uh, yes. on their thing. So um, and it was kind of by accident, and we were you know fueled by beer mostly. And, <laughs> and that song
2: <laughs> it, it, it didn't leave my car for almost two years. We had it on a mix, and it just it always came on it was hysterical. Love that. Um so I have to ask you about this. I don't think this is embarrassing, but so what? I was watching network television back in the 90, 95, 97-ish era, and here comes a Mountain Dew commercial.
3: Yes. And Thank I you.
2: recognize your face immediately. <laughs>
3: yeah, it'll be me then, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sitting in the house that that commercial bought me.
2: Really? Very right. nice.
3: Yeah, I hey, know.
4: there's there's nothing embarrassing about that. Nothing
3: at all. <laughs> it definitely, I was not because before that I I wasn't even earning enough to pay rent on a place, and I think I was I was like sleeping on people's floors. Even though if Silverfish had been quite successful, we still got paid shit money, and uh, and I, I had nowhere to live. And then uh, the, I got offered this Mountain Dew commercial. And in fact, when I was uh, was when I was making salt peter, I was sleeping on Mark Walks' floor. And stuff, and still had no money. And then, then the Mountain Dew commercial came along, mm-hmm. and I bought a
2: house. Fantastic! Awesome! I'm so glad to hear that. I, I thought that was going to be like, uh, like you were going to be the, the the biggest thing in the world at that point. I wanted more, and then uh, MTV just I don't know, went uh, away. They were just terrible yeah. after that. But uh, what 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 became of you after that commercial? What did you you worked on the remix album, or you're working on Silverfish?
3: Um, no. Well, I mean, the Silverfish was gone by then um, mm. and I, I, I left Silverfish in like 1993 or something and then went off to Seattle and worked with Mark Walk and I think I was just on tour basically after that, That um, I was on tour basically until 1997 and then I went back to Seattle and started working on um, Short Staffed at the June Pool um, with oh, okay. Mark Walk again and um, then that, you know, just worked on that for like a couple of years, or at least a year, Sweet. and then um, it, all, it all kind of everything fell apart because my label um, went down the pan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, creation they folded and got eaten up by Sony, and then I didn't want to be on Sony, and they, uh, the, the whole kind of business shit. And by the time I got out of the, the mess, the quagmire that that, the business side of it was in, my heart wasn't in it any, anymore. I and it. it was time to have a kid. And I thought, I'm going back to Scotland. I'm going to like, go and live under a rock and have a kid. So that's basically you, what I did.
2: You kept it really, did it what you, the way you wanted to do it. Now you're back, which is fantastic. Yeah,
3: exactly. Um,
2: I, there was this little thing about Howard Jones and you. Um, is there any truth to that?
3: Howard Jones. Who's
2: yeah. Howard Jones? Okay, then that was that was incorrect. Uh, so uh, that you did a re uh remix of Kung Fu Fighting with Howard Jones. Howard.
3: Jones. Yeah. So that's it's the- Tom Jones.
2: Oh, it said Howard Jones in the article. Oh, it's Tom
4: Jones. Even better. <laughs> that's even cooler. <laughs> that
2: was
3: brilliant. Yeah. Oh that my was, god. That was during the Lollapalooza tour. <laughs> They oh flew me God. from, like, Rhode Island
2: oh to my LA
3: God. for, like, six hours or something to do this song <laughs> in Jackson Brown's studio in Santa Monica, and I hung out with Tom Jones for a couple of hours, and then they flew me back.
2: That is brilliant. That's hysterical. Oh, my God. I'm so glad it wasn't Howard Jones.
3: <laughs> that would be much more boring.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, my God. What was he like? He had to have been cool.
3: Yeah, no, it was lovely. He smelled strongly of talcum powder. (laughs) He's quite short, actually. I had I had these big stacks on, and I felt I needed to take them off, so I was the same height as him. (laughs) The same height as me. But he was really nice, and and just like he is on the telly, you know, he's just like really down to earth, and you know, nice looking and stuff like that.
2: That's hysterical! Oh my god! I love it! I love it! Uh, Well, okay. Is there any way we can find a a recording of that? (laughs)
3: Um, yeah, I'll send you one. Have oh. I got one. I must have one somewhere. Oh my
2: god! <laughs> if I can play that, that would be all oh, the best. Yeah, you yeah. just <laughs> made my day. I'll
3: have it, I'll have it somewhere. in my Oh, in fact, have I got it? I'll, it'll be on a hard drive somewhere. I, I oh, love.
2: I love the fact see. that we mistook Howard Jones for uh, for Tommy Jones. Wasn't Howard great. Jones that
3: guy we, in the like
2: yeah. the
0: eighties? Yes, the eighties. Yeah. Eighties guy. Yeah. Which
2: made a little more sense than Tom Jones, really, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, All right. So I was going to. This leads me to my next question. Actually, who was your favorite musician to work with?
3: My brother. It's got to be my brother. brother. I mean, um, it's
2: awesome.
3: Yeah, because he's just. I mean Tom Jones, Tom Jones was amazing, right? Cause he do, he yes. is the singer's singer and he has such a set of lungs on a, and he's so professional and he just went in and hammered it out in like two takes. Right, so, I mean, he was brilliant and quite awe-inspiring to watch, but my brother, working with him, he's such a brilliant musician and a brilliant producer, and also because we've grown up together and we're very alike, and he knows what's inside my head, and I, there's no arguments and no wrangling and no difficultness.
2: And he's... And uh, was, that's he knows fantastic. how to get
3: to
4: the point yeah. and, and yeah. get to the brass tacks there. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: And he's in, he's in... Did you say he's in Public Image Limited? Yeah. Is, Is he still playing yeah. with... He's still playing? Yeah, oh, they've just
3: recorded a new album, which yeah. I think is, is is supposed to be really great. Cause yeah. They put out a new album in like, was it 2013 or something?
2: That's incredible. Oh, yes.
3: Aye, and toured a lot and stuff. And then that that was their first uh, Pill album in like 20 years or something. Yeah. yeah.
2: Johnny Rotten just did the radio circuit here. I just listened to him on the radio last week. Yeah, um, yeah and he, he's just a great interview. Just a great. Did you get to meet him? Yeah,
3: I've met him a few times. He's lovely.
2: He's he really great, is. I
3: mean, the whole band, they're lovely. They're really lovely folk and stuff. So, um, and they're just, um, about to bring out another album and they'll be touring later this year.
2: Well, there's something so to be, I've s- lost.
3: Him. there's something so I've to be,
2: what? There's something to be said about taking that break for musicians. You know, you get all, you get, get rid of all that dirt and smut from the beginning and then you take that break, uh-huh. you live your life and then you come back tenfold. It seems like it's working for them and you.
3: Yeah. I, I feel, uh, much more inspired than than i used to do i think because you get and especially when you're signed to the big labels and you just get on this fucking hamster wheel and it's going all the time and it's you're just part of this big juggernaut that you don't have any control over and And you get burnt out and you go away and you do like you say live your life and then you come back and you're doing it on your own terms and you're doing it because like when i stopped doing it Um, In 2000 or 2001, I think it was, I just didn't have anything left to say. And my focus was not on the making of music and the the production of music or whatever. You know, my focus was was elsewhere. And now I feel like my head is full of ideas all the time and, you know, really inspired and excited about music again.
2: And you look fantastic, by the way.
3: Well, thank you very much. It's yeah. the wine. Yeah,
2: the yeah it preserves us all, I think. Um, <laughs> it
3: does it. Yeah.
2: Uh, cheers! Yeah, and we're gonna take a break right now because you have a pick. You want to? We're going right into uh your well, I guess a newer one, right?
3: Yes, this is one. Uh, speaking of my brother again, this is one of my favorite. I always love remixes. You know, I always have loved remixes. And my brother did as he's done a, a few remixes for me. Did some, some on Short Staffed album, but um, this is um, a remix of a track called Fireweed from um, the new album Waiting for Light, and it's the Scotty mix, and it's just beautiful.
2: Very so. good. Well, we're going to play that right now, and uh, stick with us. Stick with us, with uh, Leslie Rankin and Miss D and myself. Thanks for listening, to Kettle Whistle Radio. Light
1: up. Fireweed You are The hunter At my table Bring your light You're all spark to me And love As much as you're able The first time you moved in me, I fell in love never to recover. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So don't fear the wheel, reveling in baby. Follow your own path. the stick Cause you're stone. the earth, revel in it, baby. Show us how it's done. Revel in it, baby, and don't fear the weird. Revel.
2: Back from a break, and uh, i got this the discussion we just had. It's always the best discussions off air. I don't know. <laughs> yes. we're, we're talking about the ministry, and I, I, I said I said to Miss Leslie here, um, I'm so glad you didn't hang out with Al Jorgensen back in the day of, of this book that he wrote. And sure enough, you said that you did. <laughs> yes,
3: yeah, we are, you used to hang out quite a bit. Oh, fuck, that's what I got to tell you. Yeah, he took me shopping for our hat. <laughs> you know, a big, like, cowboy hat. Oh, a
4: cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah, because he said, I
3: need you to have a cowboy hat. You're killing so he me. In, he's, he was driving his, like, black Ferrari at the time, and he had the, um, the the music system was hooked up to the engine, so that the faster that they went, the louder the sound got to compensate <laughs> for the sound of the engine. So we're just racing around Chicago and the outskirts of Chicago with this just fucking mental... You know, my ear's bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> Getting racing around with this funny little guy in a massive hat and a very fast car.
2: Al Jorgensen. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah well, uh, let's see if you show up in the book. I'll let you know if you do. <laughs> oh, man, know. oh man. Oh boy. Um alright, so moving on here. Uh, gosh, I don't even know where to go from there. But uh, alright, alright. Um Salt Peter, let's see, after that now, what is available now? What is the name of the new album? Tell us how to get it.
3: Um, It's called Waiting for Light and you can get it on Bandcamp, which is like Bandcamp, movie official at Bandcamp, blah, blah.
2: Best place for bands to put their music out because the money goes right to the band.
3: Yeah, it certainly does. Which is great when I need to, to pay a bill. Yes. <laughs>
2: of course. You
3: can hoover up some cash. <laughs>
2: yeah, the house that Mountain Dew built. I love it. I love yeah. that story too. But uh, yeah, we're on iTunes too. So uh, yeah, as are you. So when, when people yes. listen to, well, when they find your music on iTunes, they'll find this podcast too, hopefully. Yes. Now I got to ask you two favorite horror movie. Do you have a horror? Are you a horror fan?
3: Um, uh, I used to be, when I was a kid, oh, I must have my favourite horror movie. I'll tell you what, though. W- I, you maybe haven't seen them in the States, but we have this franchise, or had...
2: Oh, we lost you.
3: ...this when I was a kid called Carry On Films, right? Okay. And they would have, like, Carry On Camping. Have you? Are you still- yeah, it's we're here,
1: back. we're
3: here. Hello? We're here. Right. We're here. All right, very good. So we've got Carry On Movies. Like Carry On Camping, Carry On Nurse, Carry On Up the Kaiba Pass. And they were all comedies. And they did a spoof of a horror, horror film, which was Carry On Screaming. <laughs> and it's so brilliant. And I'm the,
4: writing they, this down.
3: <laughs> she, she's writing <laughs> yeah. this down. Yeah, it's just completely nuts and very British and just, just <laughs> completely stupid. Proper <laughs> horror films. Oh, God.
2: I should have prepared you for that.
3: Yeah, I know. I mean, I used to love horror movies. I tell you what, though, I loved all the old Hammer House of Horror films Perfect. that we used to get here in Britain. And they were all made in like the sixties and seventies, yes. And they were ju- they were just brilliant, and yeah. they were they were very creepy.
2: Doesn't get better.
3: Yeah, and I loved stuff with like Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Yes. Christopher Lee, uh, yes. Ju- I know, I, mean, I just, I, I had such a crush on Christopher Lee <laughs> when I was a kid.
2: <laughs> so uh, now I have to really ask you, not that it's a, be- a good crossover, but uh, Star Wars, are you a Star Wars fan or do you hate it?
3: I don't hate it,
2: but I just meh. not your thing meh. okay, all right. that's the end of Star Wars for now um, <laughs> <laughs> now what is what does Leslie do to relax other that we know you drink wine we're partaking with you yep. right now on an afternoon. um what else do you do? What do you like? What do you read?
3: and um, I don't really read anything. I don't have the kind of attention span if i'm if I'm not moving or doing something, I'm asleep kind of thing. I don't have relax mode. I have full on or full off. So, I don't really read and basically, I suppose, art or photography, you know, I mess around in Photoshop and, um, cool. and, and, uh, draw a little bit and stuff. I don't, I need to get back into painting because I used to really love to paint and that, that's where my background was. I went to art college and all that kind of shit. Okay. So, um, but I tell you what I haven't been doing though, I, I bought a little, um, it's what's called a cigar box guitar. Have you seen them?
2: No, no. They're
3: made out of Cuban cigar boxes. Oh, wow. Right? And it's just like, this has got this cigar, cigar box with a, a guitar um, neck head stuck on it.
2: Well, next time you have to play something for us. <laughs>
3: yeah, I know. I've, well, I've just got it. And just. I, I've never really been a guitar player. I've, you know, I used to just hit guitars with sticks and make them make noises and stuff. But this <laughs> is just a lovely wee thing. so, when I sit down at night or whenever, then I, I tend to have a wee pluck on that and I'll be playing it live.
2: Well, so um, you're you're a mom now. How does that change yes. your, your writing perspective?
3: Um, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think it really does. Inform I mean, the only the only way it's informed my writing is when I thought I need when I wrote Fireweed, it was about my son, and I thought I needed to write a song about my son, or he's going to come to me when he's fourteen and be like, "Where's my fucking song, bitch?" You know? <laughs> and um, so I wrote that. But um, <laughs> That's great. I don't know. I think um, most of the stuff that I'm writing just now is all kind of it's very emotive. It's very, it, it's channeling and outflowing of the kind of emotions, the jet, because just general kind of love emotions that I'm feeling just now and stuff. I think that's the, you know, when, all the time that I was in Silverfish and in the earlier days of Ruby, I always just wanted to write a love song, you know, and I could never do it and it would always, you know, we end up talking about yeah I love you but I want to kill you or whatever right. you know it we don't it would always just turn nasty in the end.
2: <laughs> I got that impression.
3: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with but that though. Then when I wrote Grace, which was on the short-staffed June Pool album, that was the first love song I ever wrote, and since then I seem to be able to express that side of my heart and how I'm feeling, and 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 it's it's been great. Cause it's, it's very cathartic and, um, and, you know, I feel I like I'm being honest.
4: I think too, yeah. if you're writing about something like love and your emotions and your heart, th- I think that's tougher to write about than, you know, I want to wring your neck. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're pure emotions or, I'm you know, sure. raw uh, to put out. And
3: especially when I was writing Waiting for Light, it was, uh, I had, um, I was, had been married for 10 years and I have, was coming out of that and it was, it was, um it was like throwing salt on wounds, writing stuff, because half of the stuff on the album is all about is, you know, that, the, the, the end of that, that mm-hmm. period of my life and the end of marriage and the death of, of love and stuff like that. So it was, it was very difficult. But now, it's just really satisfying. I feel like I'm being honest. Right. And that's Fantastic. a good thing. Yes. Yeah.
2: And that's what I was talking about earlier about tone. Your 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 music has a tone to it, and I don't. It's not all you know. It's not self deprivation. It's not you know. It's not all negative. It's I'm in your face this is how I feel, and you're going to hear about it. And that that means so much more to me than somebody grabbing a gun in a video and shooting somebody. You know, like right. you get this emotion out, and man, it's so damn emotional. I, I, Saul Peter just brings it out, but at the same time, I have this little smirk on my face while I'm listening to it. You have the snide way of getting your point across.
3: I, I suppose I'm quite a kind of sarcastic person and humour mm. is very important to me. I think it's a Scottish thing. We got to, there's got to be some kind of element of humour about most things.
2: <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's definitely a Scottish thing. And we love it. <laughs> um, who are you listening to now? Is there anything we should know about music that's in your stereo or live acts you've seen recently?
3: Where do you want to start?
2: Oh well, please. I, I need music. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes.
3: Don't we all? Um I tell you what i've been listening to oh there's this this band called um the japanese house that i've just bought and they've got an ep out called pools to bathe in i suppose i'm going for more kind of abstract quite kind of i don't know what you would call it much more i like i like music that's much more experimental and and kind of sharply edited and a bit odd sounding and stuff. I have to tell you who, who you got to check out. is Young Fathers. They're a Scottish band. They're from Edinburgh. And she, she's writing just,
2: this down, just so you know. She's writing this down for us.
3: Yeah, and they're, um, they're just brilliant. They're, okay. they're really great.
2: Very cool, very cool. Yes. Um, do you have a go-to, uh, let's say old, like 80s, something you have to throw on? Any, anything from like Metallica to the Thompson Twins? Is there something... <sighs> I have a favorite, don't get it and you, you may or may not make fun of me. What's um that? I, I drive people crazy with this one, but I I always once a weekend or once a week I have to hear Slade run, run away. <laughs> oh
3: yeah. I mean Slade's brilliant. Yeah, yeah totally yeah. brilliant. I suppose um uh, you, I used to have one that was Steve Miller, that album with the joker on it. I used that used to be my every Sunday morning. Okay, that makes <laughs> sense. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Totally.
2: That makes sense. For us, it's like, uh, Elton John and Billy Joel. We have to hear that yeah. on Sunday morning. Yeah. I put the 70s on in the morning, just before we, we talk we to a you. have
3: the
4: 70s station. We'll put it on on the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I bro-
3: I, 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 also, the Isley brothers, I, I still listen to them, especially cool. when I've had a bit of wine and it's late at night and it gets turned up and I just have a bit of a funkathon in the house on my own. Nothing you know, wrong, it's wrong kind with of that. I just told Bridget Jones, you know, <laughs> dancing, dancing on your... Own.
2: Fight, <laughs> the power, <laughs> fight the power, fight the power. Love it, man. Yeah. That's fantastic. I, I love it. I love it. There's nothing wrong with enjoying music by yourself. Now, that also too. Uh, oh, on that note, as far as like when you're when you've been on stage, a live but, show, has there ever been a low moment, like a point where you're like, oh god, I just want to forget that it even happened?
3: Um, no. Good. <laughs> That's a good thing. No, I don't think so. I don't think I, I, it's never been that bad. But I think I also I have no shame. You have to understand. <laughs> so, it, it's, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm the kind of person who just always kind of looks on the bright side, and there's always a positive to take away from everything, even if it's just so shit that it's just, you've, you'll you learn never to do that again.
2: That's, that but, question's always 50 50. We get either um, the worst story ever or just exactly what you just said.
3: Uh, nah, I think you just, you just, you just got to roll with it. Some shit, some, I suppose, um, I was getting towards the end of the tour and I was so sick of singing Paraffin because Paraffin was the big hit and every kind of TV appearance we did and everything everything we did had to sing Paraffin. So I was singing it like three times a day.
1: Okay.
3: And it got to that show and I just stopped the band in the middle of the song and I said... I just can't fucking sing this song. That's okay. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. And I I've, I've felt like, well, the audience came, paid their money to come and see it, And probably most of them were were like, you know, I want to hear the song I've heard on the radio. And it was it's quite a, a kind of unprofessional thing to do.
2: But I, I don't I, think so. That was a very real thing to do.
3: Yeah. It was me being totally honest. And it, it, the thing was... After you've sung it so many times, it just loses all the meaning that you, you, you put into it in the first place and you're totally going through the motions. Yeah. And it becomes so plastic and so, you're just not feeling it anymore.
2: Yeah, you grew out of it. Uh, That's like the writer that doesn't want to go back and read their early work because they've grown. They've done, they've moved on. It, it makes a lot of sense to me, and you're, uh, you are not the first person to say that. And I, I told you about Eric Powell, who was a regular on here. He's in 16 Volt. Good band. You should uh, check out. But now okay, he has a new band okay. called Black December. But he said the same thing. They, they started playing Two Wires Thin, which was a pretty heavy song for them, and got the crowd going. He said we couldn't do it anymore. The passion wasn't there. I wasn't as angry as I was when I wrote the song. So that makes mm. that makes perfect sense to me.
3: Mm. I know which is a bit of a shame because people want to it, for them the song is still fresh for your a lot of your your audience members the song is still fresh and it's still meaningful to them and they really want to hear it but you you got you just got to be honest with yourself, you know.
2: And we love that. So- what, what song should we look out for most? Um, do you have a release off the new album? Um, what should we tell people that if they were to pick one song? They should buy the album, but...
3: Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, that's that's the, what I was saying before about it being eclectic. This album is very eclectic, and it's also really kind of transitional for me because it has one foot in the past. There's a song called Last Life that is very much kind of rocking, kind of tiny meat kind of oh. a wee bit harking back to Silverfish, you know, full on and it's it's a good hard pop song basically, but then there's stuff like the title track Waiting for Light and there's a track called Wetland and, and um, that is much more sparse and much more emotional and kind of ethereal and a bit out there, but I suppose the favourite one and the one that's working really well live now is a song called un five and four and I've had people standing in front of me crying you know while I'm singing it and stuff because it 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 touches a chord and it's about time and the juggernaut of time that just drags you along with it and never stops never slows down and you you it's about you know you you get so tied up in your own life and you forget to tell the people that you love what that you love them and then they're gone and that, that so it's i think it's it's my favorite song on the album
2: okay you well now i'm sold <laughs> As, absolutely uh, what, what, what I, I know you don't like you're well you're tired of paraffin it's not you don't like it but yeah. the, the two the, the, they're just so beautifully shot the videos when you do the dichotomy of tiny meat and paraffin it's like tiny meat is aggressive and in your face this is mm. me, and then paraffin comes along and there it is. it's, it's beautiful, calm, you're snide without like losing your composure, which yeah. I think is really cool. you have a blue kimono, you're like all relaxed, but yet you're, you're telling this story. I, it, now the same guy you said did not shoot both those videos right? Yeah no because nah. they're, they're both like it really gets your attention. It's just and like you're sexy without trying, which is very important. Um, p- people try so damn hard now. It's not cool. It's just it's, it, they take sexy away, and it's just, I hate that. You know, there's a million dancers behind them, or you know, and then you got rappers in your face with guns. Like, all right, come on, guys, we've run we've ran the course with this. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you do it without trying. You make it look natural, and I like that. Good, Thanks. absolutely. Now, what I care like when we first found you, like you were a female force. Like I said, you were sexy without trying, but you you let your voice and lyrics do the work without the dumb dancers trekking about behind you.
3: Well, I never wanted to be sexy. And especially in the earlier days, you know, I was living in London and I was getting sexually harassed in the street all the fucking time because that's just what happens to young women when they're living in cities like that. Mm-hmm. And so the last thing I wanted to do when I got in, it, on stage or writing or on a video was be sexy. I just did not want that kind of attention from people.
0: Well, so I'm, I was so, yeah.
3: consciously anti-sexy, you know? And, <laughs> and also when you're a young woman in a band or doing music, you get loads of photographers and loads of video guys who want to try and make you... Be sexy in the video because you know that's they think that's yeah, what kind of
4: dress you a certain way. However, they it, aye, appealing for the time.
3: Trying to get, it, the trying to get you into certain poses and stuff like that, and I really had to fight quite hard to, to and, and and more than once told photographers to go fuck themselves because I wasn't yeah. doing that,
4: you know? <laughs> well. And it's kind of demeaning too if you're you yeah know, you're trying you're, you're you're a musical artist you're trying to put your music out there not you know.
3: Uh, not service their requirements Ah, exactly that's a good way to put it
2: (laughs) so these days what are your live performances in the audiences like like as opposed to the crowds in the 90s um do you get feedback are the crowds are they alive do they show up a lot of bands are saying it's hard to fill a club these days
3: oh yeah definitely and especially when you're doing it on your own and I've, i've done no kind of Advertising and I'm crap at advertising and crap at, you know, looking for blogs and trying to get promo and all of that kind of stuff. You know, so I've been, uh, we've played take half empty houses, but, and more than half empty houses. Um, but, I mean, we've only done about six shows altogether and three of them were in the States and there were friends that put the shows on and basically You're people back. who were fans turned up and we just had a nice wee night, you know, so it's. I, it's very much preaching to the converted but it's been like playing to friends you know, because the, the, half of them know the lyrics better than me, which is not difficult <laughs> because I've got shit memory but, and, the, and, and the, it's been the Berlin show and the Glasgow show, the last two shows that that have been playing to much more, many more people in the houses and um, and strangers, and people who I don't know who I am or don't know anything about me, but but they've responded really well, so it's been great,
2: good, good maybe this will be the year for Ruby and Leslie Rankin again i i yes. I, I believe it is, and you just told me something about yourself too you, you said that you know you don't remember your own lyrics, which is hysterical that tells me that you're a lot like myself you uh you're constantly moving forward and you want to <laughs> get you, you, right yes
3: I and I, I've got the most horrendous memory, and I forget everything that I do immediately that I do it, and I, I only focus on the forward and the tomorrow and You know the new and stuff. That's
2: awesome, (laughs) but it sounds like you and Ozzy would have the best sitcom ever. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> I don't know well but he can't drink anymore can
2: he Uh, well he makes up for it in other ways that doesn't count <laughs> but uh, have a
3: good laugh. I wouldn't be picking up his dog shit though
2: <laughs> no no he wouldn't have to do that I think Sharon would definitely not see you doing that either she wouldn't yeah. put up with that Um, let's see here I, I guess we do have to wrap things up we should tell everybody where to find you uh, how to find you and where to get your music
3: um, rubyofficial.bandcamp.com it's the uh, the thing. Okay. That's my bandcamp camp adi- For anything, I'll just check it.
2: Hey. Yes.
3: <laughs> rubyofficial.bandcamp.com. <laughs> uh, I'm terrible, my memory is bloody awful. <laughs> so that's that's basically and also um Ruby slash Leslie Rankin on uh, on Facebook or Leslie Rankin on Facebook, Leslie Rankin on Twitter and uh, and oh, okay. Instagram as well.
2: All right, well, yeah, we're on Twitter too. Um, I'm at fairly dark and Ms. D.
3: Oh, I'm at Ms. D5.
2: And uh as yeah, as always, uh check us out. Uh Society 13 is our n- podcasting network. This is Kettle whistle radio. You can find us there and on Twitter as well as uh well, I've got a few books out there. Sorry, Leslie, I got to advertise a little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, on you go. the new one is called dwelling in the dark you can find that at www.burningbulbpublishing.com the old one is the fall of tomorrow no zombies folks but lots of monsters and demons hope you're into it um and ruby honestly uh, ruby uh
4: her name is leslie thank you leslie
2: ruby (laughs) being on the show is has been the highest point of 115 episodes i gotta say uh leslie rankin thank you so much for this
3: you're very welcome. It's been nice. It's been very nice
2: talking to you. Oh, absolutely. Well, we'll hopefully we'll do it again, and we'll be playing yes. more of your new stuff next time.
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: Let's go out. Okay. Should we go out with uh, some silverfish?
3: Yeah, on you go. You pick.
2: I, I like Jenny. Yeah, so
3: yeah,
2: uh, That's, that's my favorite choose. one. It is my favorite one. on there. I'm not going to lie. What do you think, yeah. Miss D?
4: I think that's a great pick.
2: All right folks. Uh folks friends and fiends, thank you so much for listening. This was definitely uh, a high point of our careers here yes. at Kettle Whistle Radio. Yes. Thank you so much, Leslie. Leslie. Can, uh, You're welcome. We're going to say good you. day. Oh wait, you know what? You know where we're going, right? When we leave you here? Oh. I, th- I mentioned it. Oh
4: yeah, Holland oats. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to ho- we're going to jump on the trolley and we're going to Holland oats.
4: Yes. Wow yeah <laughs>
3: that'd, that'd be really great
2: I, i've <laughs> seen them before they're they're amazing and I, honestly i didn't want to like it because it's a little bit older than me but not really I their, their pop stuff was out but um they oh my gosh what a show
3: i mean they're, they're pretty major musicians in their own right and songwriters and all that kind of stuff you
2: know they're not, proper, not proper unlike legends you. really not unlike yourself they have their own label all right, very good. Mm-hmm, absolutely, <laughs> they they do exactly what you do. All right, um, well, we're on our way, and thank you so much for your time.
3: No worries. Have a have a great
2: night tonight, and uh, post some pictures. Of oh, it. pictures, yeah. Oh, Misty, yeah. that's well, up to I'll you. I'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> got, <she laughs> got the better phone. All right, right good night, hey, folks. Up.
4: Cadet, host of her extraordinary life by design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women.
3: Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices.